I'm Caroline. Over the years, I've started a bunch of creative projects I failed to finish. So I wanted to talk to creative people, writers, comedians, filmmakers, photographers, musicians, about how they work and what they do when things get tough. Learn the secrets of finishing. From Dublin, Ireland, it's Operation Project. You're going to keep wiggling that fucking... What is, I always forget what they call the thing that wrapped the mic with the pantyhose, you know, the Beastie Boys lyric. It's pop, pop shield. Pop shield. Because yeah. I'm always going to yoke. <laughs> yeah. Plosives. I have a bit of a plosives problem myself. Um, so this podcast is about how I never finish anything. Mm-hmm. And of course now, because I'm actually doing this podcast, I'm actually finishing something. So yeah. there's a, a kind of a cyclical. I would love though if you just stopped halfway through and went, actually, do you know what? Can't be ours. Can't be ours. <laughs> Halfway through this one or just halfway through, like, in general? Halfway through a random podcast yeah. interview with somebody. And just, just like, thought, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. And just slammed everything. Just walked out. Just walked out on the street. Left the person and there. And you're going, what do is I this, do? Is it over? Are we still recording? <laughs> no, that's... Well, I won't do that today. Well, we'll see how the mm. interview goes. But I... So I'm here with Brian. I'm going to read out my title. I have, like, one page of notes here. So the reason I want to talk to Brian, who is... Um, it's so funny. It says Kevin Boyle, yoga teacher podcast. Because <laughs> I used the same word document and I saved the name as uh, Brian Gallagher, but I forgot to change the heading in the word document. So at the moment you find out you're a fill-in. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm sure that happens. And there's people furiously yeah, scribbling yeah, a name yeah, We were so happy to have you here, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> That's a comedian's life, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So you're, uh, I had you, once to have you on the show, Brian Gallagher, comedian. Mostly because I think that you work really hard and I think you consistently put things out. So I'm very interested in the fact that you have a weekly comedy club mm-hmm. and that you also always go to Edinburgh and you did two Edinburgh shows last yep. uh, time, 2019. So mostly really what I want to talk to you is like, how do you get something of quality just continually out and so that's why I want yeah. to talk to you today, because my problem, like I think like a lot of people, I have grand ideas about starting something. Mm-hmm. And then when it all gets a little bit challenging, you know, after having a little bit of go with something, you kind of go, fuck it. Yeah. And you don't bother. So really, who I want to talk to in Operation Project are those who produce, mm-hmm. finish and consistently put stuff out, learn from what they're putting out, pivot, move around, but crucially keep putting things out. Yeah. I am similar to you (laughs) (laughs) in a lot of ways. So I do tend to, um, I don't tend to ditch things that I start, but I tend to not start things that I want to start. Um, And that was the same for comedy for a long time. Excuse me. Because I really wanted to start comedy, but I didn't know how and I was afraid of starting it and just an unquantifiable fear and an unreasonable irrational fear of starting things so for me you say putting out quality it's like I take the I think everybody has to take the approach that like it's like software development you know software development like when you get a new phone or something like and it's you know you buy it's a great new phone it's from Apple or Samsung or whatever and then next week it says updating update number 72 fixing bug 73 right because they're selling you an unfinished product but you never think of it like that. You just think I'm getting the best tech that's constantly been improved. Yeah. As opposed to buying something that's not really properly finished that yeah. they have to keep fixing. Yes. So it's about how you look at it. So if you look at it like software companies or phone companies look at comedy or any project, you ha- then you then you would start it away easier. You go, well, if they can bloody well put it out and keep fixing it, yeah. then I can put something out and keep fixing it. And anybody you look at or admire in comedy or music or anything like that, if you were to look back at what they first put out, You'd be going, Jesus, that wasn't great, was it? They're all shy at the yeah, start. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But even at the time, they're probably not. They're they're you're always gonna be if you're good at something, you're always gonna be good at it comparative to the level you're you're operating at. So then you just have to try and keep getting up the levels. So it's not that you were shite, you were probably good at the level you started at. Yes. For then yeah. you were good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a good way of looking at it. I'm assuming then from do you continually look at what you do and yeah. and take stock as I'm kind of, I have that lower down in my list of what I'm talking about here but um it's like a a constant revisiting of what you're doing yeah I would do so I would record an awful lot of stand-up that I do um I would I don't tend to write as much now as I did when I started in terms of physically sitting down and writing I would think a lot more about stuff and I would look at a lot of my stuff as a work in progress 
where I would tweak and change and I would listen back to stuff, listen back and read back over old notebooks and go, oh, there was a little gem in that actually. I'll try that out the next night and put it back into, you keep taking things out, putting them back in, moving stuff around. Um, something as simple as moving one line um, four minutes back or two minutes forward in a set can completely change the whole thing. Right. Can completely change your laughs per minute or whatever. So you have to look at it quite analytically as well as creatively sometimes. So do you do a bit of, um, you probably don't do this for every show, but do you do a bit of analysis then after you come off stage or the next day or something? Yeah. You go like, okay, what went well? What yeah. went less well in that in that set or in that yeah. show? Yeah, listen, I'd always record and listen back. So I listen back and then I can like... So you just slap your phone yeah. nearby, yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. Right. Press record. Next day then, and sometimes that night, but depends on the gig. But because the one thing you learn from listening back, and not a lot of comedians do it like that. I suppose I learned that when I started seeing really good comics were recording their stuff all the time. And a lot of people don't do it, but everybody should, because what you learn is that the best gig, so when you come, it's never, you never remember things in real time. It's the same with anything in life. You never remember what really happened. You yes. remember a version, a version of, it. of what yes. happened. Right? Yes. So it's never as good as you thought it was. And it's never as bad as you thought it was. That's the one thing you learn from listening back. So you get a kind of a, you, you find out pretty quickly, you're like, you're nicely in the middle somewhere of yeah. where you want to be. So yeah. like, instead of beating yourself up after a bad gig, or instead of like, you know, popping the champagne after a good one, take a break, sit down, listen back and go, well, it wasn't as good as I thought, because that could have been improved. Or there's no laugh here for like 60 seconds or 90 seconds. There should have been a laugh in there and that kind of stuff. So then you start working on on those things, then by the end of the day, then you'll, you'll end up improving and improving constantly, you know. Filling in the yeah. gaps. I think that's an interesting thing about uh, it's never as bad and it's never as good. Because yeah. people, include, I'm including myself in this, can be way too, like, reactive mm -hmm. to to stuff and to the moment. And they go, oh, fuck it, the sky is falling. Or, yeah. oh, my God, I'm amazing. You're not. <laughs> like, no, neither of those no. things. Plus, also, other people don't even care that much. No. If you're A dog shit or be fucking god no. no one actually gives a no. shit in the nicest way Not possible really though, yeah. you care more than yeah. they do and you have to just have a tiny bit of like just standing back and having some perspective do, on yeah. what's actually a going tiny on. little bit of fuck it yes you know, and just go fuck it like that wasn't as bad as it at the end of the day that wasn't the worst in the world and people say a lot of comics talk about not blaming audiences and that kind of stuff like occasionally like, <laughs> occasionally like if you end up in a weird room at the back of a GA hall in the middle of nowhere and it didn't quite go according to plan occasionally that was the audience yeah you know? give yourself a, or the room when you really yeah. deserve it yeah. the room can be a but but we all know people who go oh the fucking room yeah, yeah when yeah. the person in front of you was grand yeah, and yeah, the person behind yeah. you was grand yeah but if it's like you know if they're saying that every week uh, yeah. in every room then fine but the one time in 10 that you're doing the exact same thing and it's you know it's it's not you then it's, it's got to be the room. Yes. Know? That's a one in 10. But like any comics, like any new comics that would hear this would be like, oh, I knew it was, no, it's not the room. It can't be, it can't be the room 100% of the time. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? The, well, the one common denominator there is you're always in the fucking room. So maybe it is you. Yeah. Uh, and that, 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 that you have to, you have to look at that. So you, so that's interesting that you, uh, you always really assess and, have a look at what you did. That that's interesting to me. And can I ask you, how many times a week do you actually do comedy? But probably average about four or five. Four or five. Yeah. Okay, so that's like that's very that's full on. Yeah, it's fairly intense. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But it's like yeah, but I would say I average probably four. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's weeks like obviously where you might do two. There's weeks where you might have six gigs on. You know, so it's it ebbs and flows like that. But I would say average about four a week probably. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, you mentioned there at the top of the conversation about how you were thinking about doing stand-up, but maybe didn't for a while. Can, so can you just explain to me a little bit about your journey from not even ever thinking about doing it to kind of half think about doing it to then actually just doing it. doing it, even whatever light amount you did it at, yeah. to begin with? Um, I don't tend to do things lightly. So when I did, <laughs> so when I did it, I did it. Right. Um, and that's, like, I think, a, a large part of why I, I'm hesitant to start things is because I can throw myself way into them and get obsessed with them. Like So when I was a kid, there was a golf course that was open down the road from my house. It was like a nine-hole golf course in the middle of the countryside. And uh, my mother got me a set of like secondhand golf clubs <laughs> And I used to go down and jump the ditch so I didn't have to pay mm. and jump in at the second hole. And uh, I played. So when I started playing, but I would play, like, I'd spend six hours playing every day for the summer because I just got obsessed sometime when I start doing it. Yeah. So that's why I'm always hesitant to jump into something. So that's why I was afraid to start doing comedy in case I'd be crap. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Because yes. the worst thing for me would be if I was compelled to do something that I was shit at, that would kill me. You know what I mean? Kill me. Like, it would be like taking heroin. You yeah, know, it just yeah. is counterproductive. Like, yeah, but heroin probably feels really yeah. good. Doing it. <laughs> yeah. like, no one's taking heroin. This is shit. Yeah, yeah. They say that the next they say day. That the next day. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah, in the time you're probably going. Yeah. This is pretty this. baller. When you're doing it. I'm enjoying this. This is as yeah. good as nine hole golf. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, that belt feels so nice on my skin. Um, yeah, I see. Yeah, I get what you mean. But it's like. Uh, but your golf, you threw yourself. How old yeah. are you? Would you say when you did oh, your I was golf? Like Thirteen. Okay. Yeah. And what was, because this is interesting, thematically, a lot of my podcast guests had had a thing they were super into. Yeah. Uh, flipped over a bit of paper there, Kevin Boyle, yoga <laughs> podcaster, was amazing at pool, again, okay. when he was about 13. Yeah. Yeah, I was brilliant to video games. I'm not going to talk about that. I used to have a video game problem and I can't play them at all now, but I'll, I'll save that for a story for another day. But I really obsessed. Yeah, same. I can't, like, I can't, I have a PlayStation that I have to literally put the controller away in a box, in a box, in a yeah. wardrobe. Because otherwise, I would literally just turn it on and keep playing and keep playing. God, because yeah. it's the most fun ever. Yeah. But you have to throw up a few blocks there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so it's not so accessible. I can't have games on my phone. Like forget about it. <laughs> I haven't had a game on my phone in about seven years because it's just not possible yeah. for me. It's a productivity zapper then. Yeah, like, and I, at the irony of it, I used to play a lot of t- time management games. <laughs> so I was just like so fucking good at these things where you're like running a hairdresser yeah. on your. <laughs> and this little cartoon beauty salon. I was amazing. I can't even, but I, I used to have a problem with multi, massively multiplayer online games oh, oh a, a few years ago. Yeah. And I was playing like, I don't know, maybe 16 hours a day. Wow. So I, yeah. Okay, I, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah that was a real yeah. problem. But that's it. Like at least with, like golf and pool, you're getting brilliant at uh, something. And exercise. And a physical yeah. thing then. And uh, do so how long did your, I'm just, I'm still thinking about your golf yeah, no, obsession. Yeah. How long did your golf obsession last? Ooh, probably up until late teens. So probably like 17, 18. Right. You know, the normal age that you start to kind of abandon things oh, that were your early, early teen years. And you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. I want to have a point now. <laughs> I know, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. Until you're like 29. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until you're too old to play golf. Yeah, like, oh, do you know what I'll do now? I'll play golf again, I think, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the last weekend of that yeah. fucking decade. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you ever play golf now? Uh, very rarely, but I do occasionally play. So I might play like twice a year. Okay. And I only play because a good friend of mine in Galway plays a lot of golf. And um, he loves it. Like, But he started like in his 20s, mid 20s. Right. So he loves it. So he asked me occasionally to play it because he forgets that I will still beat him. And I, lo- <laughs> and I love it. I love it telling him, do you know, I haven't played since I was about 15, 16. You know? <laughs> and then he's kicking Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it. You know? So well, that's that's the joy for me, just doing it those couple of times a year. Because yeah. you're so, I guess you're so good at it now that you can have a big long break and it doesn't matter. You have it sort of bedded in. I'd be grand at it. So I could play yeah. somebody who's really, really, really good and it kick me around the golf course like but I, I could hold my own against your average golfer yeah okay yeah. That, that's that's cool to know so yeah so after that slight golfing detour you were talking <laughs> about um so about your Getting journey comedy, of yeah. stand-up well, I suppose oh, so I always I was obsessed with like comedies sitcoms when I was a kid I used to watch a lot of those as well yeah um that was like my nightly routine 9 p.m before I went to bed as a kid I'd watch like sitcoms so I loved comedy and I guess that by osmosis I learned timing and I learned yeah. The flow of comedy, I guess, and how it works from watching those. What sitcoms uh, did you like? Oh, like, uh, God, like Cheers, Roseanne, Blackadder. All, a lot of the American ones, actually. The American ones, yeah. 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 Cheers used to always be on, like, yeah. quite late yeah, in yeah, the yeah. evening. Yeah. Golden Girls. Remember Golden Girls as yeah. well, yeah, yeah. All those, like, I mean, I just loved comedy. I love watching the laughter and the messing and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. And my parents are very funny people as well. They're very, uh, very sarcastic people, very dark humor people. And uh, so there's always good banter in the house. Yeah, yeah, that dry. Yeah, dry humor. Yeah, yeah. Loved but it. I never realized that that was a, that was exclusive. You know what I mean? I, I thought that was just was how everybody carries on until right, right. until you end up in a serious house and you crack a, <laughs> you crack a joke and there's a whole family looking at you going, oh, no, the serious this? house. Yeah, yeah, you're like, oh shit, I'm in a serious house. You know, <laughs> didn't notice a difference until until I was older. So but, uh, being comedians, just making your own funny house yeah, all day long. Yeah, just just messing, you know. Yeah. Just messing and banter like my father used to crank on my mother the whole time you know, like, uh, he had a and again this is stuff you just take as normal because you're growing up with it like sure he had a phone before anybody had phones because he had he worked in shipping and ships would have to ring through like valencia radio station into this giant battery powered huge mobile phone uh to tell him when a ship is arriving and right limerick kind of thing so he used to carry this huge thing around with his car. It was a giant thing. Nobody had phones, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he'd ring. And I remember being I remember being quite small. I can't remember what age I was. But he'd the house phone would ring, which would occasionally happen. It's a ship ringing through from Valencia Radio to say whatever. And uh, he used to ring pretending to be a Russian sea captain. <laughs> <laughs> 
and just terrorize my mother. Like, you know, she's like, he's no, you need to dial this now. And he, he'd start Your shouting at her. breaking it. Like. Yeah, he's shouting at her, like, pretending to be a Russian, going, you must tell him this. And uh, so, so I grew up around that kind of lunacy. So, so that, so I always enjoyed banter and crack because of that, you know. Um, and that makes then, it quick as well. Yeah, my father's very quick with it, um, and very sharp. So that kind of, I guess you, 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 you get that by osmosis as well growing up, you know. Um, so then, yeah, from there, I just want. I always was in school. I was the person who made people laugh or a smart comment to the teacher, that kind of stuff, uh, without being like rude. I was always like on that borderline, uh, on the line, on the line, yeah, yeah, where the teacher kind of liked you but kind of hated you at the same time. And you're probably decent at school, so you weren't yeah. seen as a total yeah, arsehole. Total arsehole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was what you'd call it, the waster. You know. What I mean? <laughs> He has some ability, but he just won't use it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so then from there, you always make people laugh in a workplace, making people laugh. So I guess, and then I used to watch a lot of stand-up then in my late teens, early 20s. So like George Carlin, Billy Connolly, um, Stuart Lee, those yeah. kind of people like, would have really influenced me. And I loved watching how they put it together, but I couldn't quite figure out how you would do it. And I always had a fear of trying it. So I would have gone to some stand-up comedy nights and watched people who I thought were crap. And I'd be going, how are they doing this? Like, they're terrible and then that would feed into the fear of starting something going what if i would be that terrible then i wouldn't be able i wouldn't feel comfortable doing this like you know yeah, yeah. if i'm bad at it um but then again it's the whole point i was making about the software again like you have to you can't be you can't be billy Connolly in your first time getting on stage like it's just not going to happen yeah so you have to you have to get up there and just get it over with so eventually i went traveling with my girlfriend for about six months and uh, found myself you know? <laughs> <clears throat> i just decided you know what when i get back going to try it so got back uh sat down wrote out a 10 minutes seven to ten minute story um in my head that i thought was funny and uh, some of it based on fact i went in and i did an open mic uh i'll never forget where hands, was it uh Haypenny bridge in oh god yeah yeah told my hands were shaking i can still clammy sweaty i was like no and my face was pale i was like can't do this can't do this my heart was beating to call me up uh, longest walk ever from the back of the room to the stage got up and it was like a re- nah, reasonable audience maybe 30 people in okay that's that's a lot now for your first yeah. go so i was like oh crap and i only had like two people there who were there to support me if you want to call it that so i got up and uh yeah the reason for that by the way is like i you know you see people that bring like 40 people oh with god them. to their first go yeah no and, you know because you know, you're not going to get an accurate impression of where you're at either if you keep bringing like all your friends go yeah, yeah you're amazing yeah. Yeah, yeah just like yeah. you're telling jokes down the pub like you know yeah so I went up anyway, I did my thing. Um, it went reasonably well. And I thought, this is mad. And the laughs, I got laughs. And you know, where I was like, oh, people are laughing at some of this. This is great. And I was so high afterwards, like on adrenaline, I must have drank 15 <laughs> points. Oh, right. Yeah, and I probably didn't even, didn't even touch no, the sides. No, no. <laughs> and I was talking like I was on speed. I was like, yeah. that was amazing. I really liked it. I don't think I'll do it again. But I didn't go. It was yeah. just like, so... <laughs> So that's uh, that's how we started, and then once what I year did was it, that? Just even that's about three years ago. Oh fucking hell! Like you've only been doing comedy for like three years. That, yeah. Crikey! Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, but that's what I mean. Like when I do something, I would do it. Yeah. So uh, from there, then I just started hunting more gigs and hunting gigs, and I found it quite hard actually to get some of the likes of um, jesters is great for somewhere to, to start off and you can get stage time you know because you can just you just fill a form in jesters yeah. in Chine. you don't you, you don't the booking process is just simply yeah. putting your name down just show up as yeah. opposed to um asking a yeah. guy and having yeah. to be like nice hanging and, around a club yeah going, yeah God, that's a really that's a very very important comedian person i don't want to go up to him and yeah the nerves of that kind of yeah. thing especially because that's people, a different right? skill even to like yeah. getting up and being funny like being yeah. personable is yeah, actually yeah. something else again yeah. but we, we, maybe we'll, we'll get to that in a bit so you were hunting down so yeah. you found some some places that you could more or less just stick your name down yeah right yeah. right open mics that kind of stuff uh, was trying to get other gigs and I started messaging clubs and messaging guys who ran clubs and I was like either getting no reply um, which incidentally is, is now that I do run a night with with, with Mike and, and John in, in Chelsea Drugstore Riff Raff now that I run that I see the volume of messages that clubs get and that oftentimes sometimes I forget to reply to people because you just there's heaps of people. people yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and it's never personal but at the time you can kind of take it quite personal. quite wounding yeah you're when like, you're oh. in that vulnerable stage at that early stage yeah. and you think the you kind of think the world revolves around you a little bit more than it really yeah. does so when someone doesn't prize you you kind of imagine like somebody printing it out yeah. reading it out and then crumpling yeah. it up and throwing it yeah. into a bit who's uh, this asshole you just <laughs> did, you you were a, a 
a heartbeat to somebody yeah. in your message and they don't understand how wounding yeah. it is. But then again... Or they do and they go, this is just a hard journey and I'm busy and yeah. life is tough and life you, is we tough. don't have time for stuff, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's hard. Like, so you yeah. have to persevere if you do want to do it. Um, and it is hard when you get no replies to messages and things like that. So I started going out, out of Dublin then because I wasn't getting anything in Dublin. Right. So that's any advice to give to anybody starting would be do the open mics, number one. Number two, get out of Dublin because... A lot of comics don't leave Dublin or don't want to. So if you're willing to drive or or get a gang together in a car and go to Mullingar or go to like County Galway, Kerry, Cork, uh, you'll get gigs. Like. They'll be happy to see you. The volume is lower yeah. and the, yeah, the, 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 just the will of yeah. people. You, if your especially, will can extend yeah. to Kerry, you'll yeah. get. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah, Especially because yeah. people, a lot of these things don't pay when you start. So yeah. Um, if you're willing to take the hit, it's like anything you're into. If, you, if you're willing to take the hit, uh, it'll eventually pay off. And yes. if it doesn't, what have you really lost? You know Nothing. I mean? And you, you've gained, like, I think any endeavor. It, uh, do you list the podcasts? I don't know if, you, if you're a podcast guy. Uh, some. I don't yeah. really, I don't have time. Oh, okay. Now, you should always listen to this podcast. <laughs> this one's different. <laughs> Whatever the fuck it's called, this, this one's special. The yoga teacher. The yoga teacher guy who should be here. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's back again next week. It's okay, but it, it's this 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 um uh, Tim Ferriss is this seven oh, or Tim this yeah. stand up comedian five hour work week four hour four work week yeah. five hour you've just expanded it by twenty five yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that extra time. You should write. That should be your. That's your next present. But he uh, Tim Ferriss says that it doesn't matter um, if you approach a new project it, with a, kind of a low expectation. But know that even in quote unquote failure, you learn a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff from it. Then it doesn't really matter what the yeah. X, it's not failure if yeah. you've learned something. That's very American uh, attitude of things is like, you know, a failure is like a, it's a badge of honor. Like, you know, I had five failed businesses. Yes. Because in Ireland, you'd be like, you'd be, you know, packing your bags, leaving the country. Your totally. mother wouldn't be telling anybody, well, you know, <laughs> how's Brian getting on? Well, Brian's away now. And it's just like, <laughs> Brian's know, dead. Yeah, Brian's dead. You know what I mean? Because to go bankrupt or to, to uh, fail at something here, yeah. you might as well forget it. And, and especially like failing out loud yeah. as well, which there's no, there's no real way around, <clears throat> there's no way around doing stand-up comedy out it's only sound of comedy if you do it outside and in front of people. <laughs> if you do it in a mirror with a hairbrush in your hand, yeah. it isn't it. No. It's a different thing. It's a completely different thing, thing. yeah. You yeah. know, so the the application of an audience and a room yeah. is what makes it sound of comedy, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know, po- possibly. It is. It is, of course, like it's a live thing. It's a real, and audiences never understand their importance in the whole project either. You know what I mean? So you're on stage, you've got your material ready, you're there to make them laugh. But I never really understood the energy of a room until I started doing stand-up comedy, that there's literally an audience as a collective are one energy. Right. And it's amazing how if you if you go to a night where there's like a disruptive crowd or there's four young fellas in who are coked off their head and they decided, let's go to comedy, even though they shouldn't be there. Yeah. They can change the entire energy of that room just by those four people. So it makes you see how crowds work, how, how groups operate, how group think works as well. Fascinating. Yeah, it's really very interesting from a, I suppose, from a psychological point of view to see the psychology of crowds yeah. and the psychology of a room and how if everything is right. So when you go to a good comedy club where the lighting is right, the music is right, the group people greet you coming in, you know, every little thing that makes it right for that audience to have a good night makes it right and set for the comedian to have a great set. Yeah. Whereas if you go to a room where it's like, you know, disarray, there's drunk people, the lights are too bright, there's no music on before you the go on stage. The seats are in the wrong, the wrong place. place, they're too far away yeah, and yeah. so forth. All yeah. that contributes to you failing, you know? So yeah. that's what I mean. It's not necessarily always about the comedian. Now, a great comedian would pull it out of the bag because they Regardless. have experience. Because they yeah. have experience, you know? Whereas a new comedian doesn't realize it's because that guy is a lot of experience. That's how he pulled it out of the bag. It's not that you're literally necessarily really bad. Yeah. The room wasn't set up for you to succeed in the first place. So You know, I, I, I've i been thinking about a lot about this because uh, I, well, I do a monthly thing. I help Brian Cheek, yeah. this comedian. I help him do a monthly thing. Uh, a comedy Which is thing. great, by the way. Ah, well, you were guessing it. You're, I was, You're yeah. biased. It but <laughs> uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. But like I was setting up the room for, for our Retrovision night and... I realized that like the audience should feel safe. Yeah. Like that's that, that's kind of a part of it. So like things just being set up nice. Just even things like 
they feel like they could go to the bathroom yeah. fairly easily yeah, yeah. or like those little things that yeah. make people go from a state of kind of a bit yeah. feeling antsy yeah. and a bit what's going on here to going oh in fact you're just feeling quite relaxed and I think then if you were feeling quite relaxed they're perhaps more in a humor to laugh yeah but then the but, but the people who do the most work of that, obviously the room is, is nothing if the comedians don't make people feel safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's almost like you're taking someone by the hand and bringing them on this mm -hmm. journey when you get up on the stage and talk to them. So the people are born along somewhere else, but feel kind of safe, even yeah. if the material can be edgy yeah, yeah. and it can be on the line. It's a bit like being on the line with the teachers. Yeah, it's yeah. like in a way that the people still feel safe yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah. And then they're open to laugh. Yeah, they yeah. are. You have to make people... People need to feel like they're they're in a happy place, right? Regardless of what the content of the comedy is, like it can be dark humor, it can be it can be even be something that maybe some of the audience aren't really into, comedy wise, but they'll still laugh if the collective energy in the room is there to laugh or to enjoy. Then they'll kind of you let let their guard down and maybe laugh at stuff they might normally laugh at, depending on the comedian, you know. Yeah. So again, if the room is set up for success, nearly every comedian should succeed to some degree. Yeah. Like so, in a room where maybe. Let's just say hypothetically, there's no such thing as a bad comedian. But if you had a weak comic or a very new comic on a given night, if the night is set up for success and everything, the audience are happy, the MC is good, everything is right, then that guy will do better than he normally would do. Right. Or that girl even would yeah. do better than he normally would do. And like the headliner will absolutely take the roof off where he might just normally do very well. So like everybody is lifted by about 20% when the room is right. And you probably spend a lot of time trying to make riffraff. So riffraff's in the Chelsea drugstore every Wednesday. Yep. And you, how long has that been going on there? I could have mm. looked it up, but I thought it'd be better to just, over to, you know. The, the yoga teaching has been going over a year now. <laughs> <laughs> over a year, roughly. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Give uh, or take. Yeah, and uh, you and John Spillane. Well, it was and... actually originally, it was um, Michael Rice and Oshin Hanlon. Yeah. Started it as sort of a, a one-off thing where then they did a mini tour called a Riff Raff Tour where they did four or five dates around Ireland and they did a few nights in the Chelsea Drugstore. And then from there, they turned into a regular night. Then they brought John Spillane on board and then Oshin left to go to America and then the lads brought me in. So it's been the three of us since. Okay, yeah. right, right. So, that, so, uh, and you, so they kind of, found the spot the yeah. spot was set before yeah. you're before involved on board yeah, yeah right yeah. okay that's that's interesting but it's, a, it's a beautiful room oh, and God, it's gorgeous. yeah it's gorgeous but little things like little things would annoy me like that maybe because i worked in hospitality a long time ago and that stayed with me little little tiny finicky things annoy me like so for example on one side of the room we have three round tables and on the other side we have four round tables somebody stole one of the round tables for something somewhere else in the business because they have a lot of bars and they replaced it with a square table <gasps> and I nearly lost my okay. fucking mind. Because that's a detail. There's like, a no, continuity yeah. like, there. We can't have that table there. And yeah. They were like, but just put it in the middle. I was like, no, <laughs> no, we can't. It's just, this ruins the entire aesthetic of the room the, <laughs> and the flow of the room. You know right. I mean? Yeah. Even yeah. If you stand at the top or the back and your eye gazes through a room, the first thing you're going to see is that's a, that's an odd looking square table. There. And you might actually, you might not even fully identify square table, but you might go, uh, yeah, you know the continuity is broken. Your subconscious is, yeah. is distracted, and like you can't have people's subconscious distracted. It's like when somebody whispers in a comedy room, and they're talking to Those their friends. Whispers that are like this. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Fucking and they think they're whispering. Nobody can hear it. Everybody can hear that. Yeah, the act can hear it. It throws the act off his timing. It distracts other people in the audience. So that little whisper, that that square table, was a visual whisper in the room. Right, right. You know what I mean? And like. You have to recognize those things for to, to make sure that a room is right for comedy. And How did you deal with the square table in the end? Did you really? saw the corners off? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> we hid it at the back of the room. We yeah, we moved it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We eventually got our, our round table back. Right. Back. Okay. Yeah. It's little things like that. Even like one light bulb gone in a line of five, like might really ruin the room for a random like a 60th birthday party, but it ruins. A little something takes a little something away for a comedy night. Something where it's a, a, about ambiance. Yeah. Because it's, it's a, a comedy night is not about like drinking your head off. No, no, no. And people aren't drinking very much. It's not much of an opportunity to drink because mm. people are actually sitting yeah, there. and before, they only... the break and then afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's not like, and that's something I've only really started going to comedy like in earnest in the last year and a half. And I didn't realize how little people you drink, drink yeah. you know, and it's, it's actually really nice. But that's yeah. why. People, these of course, if the Chelsea drugstore are listening, people <laughs> people drink an awful lot at our gigs. <laughs> well, they probably love having you there yeah. on a Wednesday no, in their lovely good. bar yeah. that they yeah. wouldn't really have perhaps that yeah, much a crowd in on that night. Yeah, people, no, people drink maybe like 
I would say three or four drinks. Yeah. And that's over, over, you know, you're at a show probably half an hour before it starts. You hang about for 15, 20 minutes after it ends. So you're probably looking at a block of three or four hours. Yeah. For a comedy, a proper comedy night where you're out for comedy. You could be gone. You could be in a bar for three hours anyway. You know? Yeah. So you're yeah. going to have three or four drinks. Do drink an hour type of Yeah, yeah. So you're not getting hammered or sloshed or anything like that. You, know? but just, you don't want those people in a comedy club. Anymore, no. You know? Yeah, yeah. It actually behooves. People have one or two, so they're slightly yeah. loose. But yeah. that's that's kind of plenty. Yeah. Um, and there's one one thing I noticed about when you are you guys are promoting your uh, club in Riff Raff or your Riff Raff Club is that you never say who's going to be playing. No, secret lineups. And why is that? I actually uh, wrote that down because I was quite interested in it because you get really good acts. Like yeah. I've been to Riff Raff, I think three or four times mm. and I saw people, you know, like, well, there's obviously like Michael Rice and John Splane yeah. who run, Splan or Splane? Splan. Splan. Uh, who run it and uh, are also often either yeah. playing or emceeing or yeah. whatever. And they're like fucking deadly. I don't think maybe you only played one time where where not. When I you were there, there so we, we tend to revolve it. You, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So one will host, one will do a spot, and then one will like act as like producer. Right. So that's uh, the revolve. That's nice. That yeah. that that keeps uh, everyone not having to do just yeah. the one job yeah. and so forth. That's really good. But you have like people like Julie J and Shane Clifford and things. Yeah, playing. good acts. Yeah. But why not tell people that they're on? Uh, so okay, the logic behind that, which hopefully no other club will now rob, but the logic behind <laughs> that is. That within comedy, so you're in comedy now, essentially. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> get me out. Right? You, you're in comedy, you're in a lot of the clubs. You know all of these acts, you know all of these people. So your your average, every single comedy club has posts on social media and on their posters, they've got all these names and all these pictures. And within comedy, you're going, geez, great lineup in such a club tonight. Or, or oh, not a great lineup in that club tonight, etc., etc. We do secret lineup simply because... Everybody in comedy knows everybody in comedy, but everybody outside comedy hasn't a fucking clue yeah. who any of us are. Right. If we're not on TV, okay, slight exceptions, maybe Tony Cantwell or Shane Clifford with big online followings, right? But but everybody else, like nobody Just knows. It could mark. be anybody. Yeah. Right? It could literally be anybody. So because we get really, really good lineups and we, we get a lot of guy, acts who'd be on TV or have large online followings, the fear of missing out, like the FOMO that sometimes is created by, I wonder, we were there that night and we saw such a person and they're brilliant. I wonder who's on tonight. I don't know. I don't know who's on. Yeah. Will, we, will we go? I'll come on with chance it. Right. So, you know, rather than looking at lineup going, no, 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 that one guy I like isn't on it. I'm not oh, going to okay. go. There's a picture of other few fucking jokers yeah. with microphones. Well, exactly. I don't know who they are. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So then like when we started, we got a large, a large volume of, of people coming to the show who were tourists. Now we're probably 50-50 tours in Irish repeat business. And uh, the Irish repeat business come because they love comedy and because they never know who they're going to see there, you yes. know. And uh, every week is a surprise for them and they, they're kind of into that. And I think that we stand out by just sharing posts of the of the brand Riff Raff, uh, which is good for branding, number one. And number two, secret lineups means that it could be anybody. You could see, and we always book great lineups. So if you've been once, you know it's a great night. So you know you're always going to get a great night. So it's more about the collective of riffraff and the fact that we present great comedy to you than it is about individuals you know who, right. who most people don't know and and that because yeah once you're in it you know there's a kind of a yeah. bias of course there is of oh yeah your woman is yeah. deadly or everyone knows who she is not really but average yeah Joe, public, i certainly didn't a year and a half ago no, so my mother you know. doesn't know who i am so like average joe public hasn't a clue unless it's somebody who's been on tv regularly yeah or the radio that's it. They don't know who they are. It, that's a that's an interesting perspective on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what were your uh, so has has Riff Raff met the expectations or some things you set out for? I know that you were in Vodafone yeah. Comedy um, Festival, Festival in, yeah, in the Ivy Gardens just this past summer, and I guess that's a big win, is yeah. it? That was a bit of a hat tip to the fact that we're doing a good job, you know. So like, all we want to do, all we ever wanted to do, was put on a good comedy night. And to make sure that audiences enjoy it. And, and then we get to MC, we get to do spots, we get to watch comedians that we like and that are really good comics. We get to book solid lineups um, in an unbiased fashion, right? We book people who are good, not because they're mates or anything like that. Um, and that's all we ever wanted to achieve was that. And we achieved that. And then we got, I suppose, a little pat in the back and when we got asked to do Vodafone. I was like, oh, nice. Okay. So we got into Vodafone with some of the other clubs who are established and who are really good clubs around well. a lot longer than around riffraff lot, uh, yeah, a yeah, lot of them yeah but it, it, that's quite an honor because there's only a handful of these 
And yeah. what's they call the thing that there's a club at the Vodafone Comedy yeah, it's Festival? Yeah, I suppose just uh, the Laughter Lab. That's what they call That's the it, tent, the Laughter yeah. Lab. Yeah. So being uh, acknowledged for that, it, it shows nice, yeah. that you're, you guys are on the, the, the right track. Yeah. Uh, the man, the man <laughs> has noticed, the man is ushering you in. Yeah, as a man, there was a man with no face. Ian as, Vodafone, uh, he's laughing his ass off. But, that's actually, but that is an endorsement. And that, I, I guess you didn't sit down like no, two years ago and go, Vodafone. No. Laughter Lab, that's, you know. No, no, that was, this is our end goal. No, it was more about uh, putting on a good quality comedy night that people enjoy. Yeah. And, you know, it helps get our name out there as well by doing comedy there every week and by meeting and greeting audiences every week. You know, it helps people get to know you. Uh, so it gets your own brand out there as well, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Vodafone was just a pay, it was a payoff. Yes. For that work. Because like anybody who runs a comedy night knows you don't make any money. No. You know? When you divide the time you put into it, any money that comes back uh, is, is just straight back. In again. Oh, it's already gone. It's gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're not making money out of it. It's more about just the enjoyment of doing it and running it, you know? Yeah. And it can get stressful. Like, you're not sure how many people you're going to get in on a random night. We started, especially when we started doing it, it was stressful, like, not knowing how many people are going to show up. But now, thankfully, we have, we're pretty much full all the time, which yeah. is great. Yeah. There's a, you can relax a little bit when that piece of pressure is yeah. taken off that, ah, there'll be loads of headballs in the room. I says, do you think you can, you, do 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 you go you, do you guys flyer, like yeah. you flyer yeah, you know flyer. just like you would uh, in edinburgh, edinburgh or whatever yeah. you and you've probably learned off skills i guess in edinburgh just doing that and going yeah. to people and what are you up to you yeah. going up to a couple of you up tonight yeah. come down to the oki it's yeah, free have exactly, a drink yeah. have a hang yeah sure what's the harm yeah. and there's a very nice way of saying that i guess yeah. to people that <laughs> yeah, makes yeah. them go Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The girl looks at the guy and goes, yeah. "We're going." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Nine times out of ten, that's how it happens. Yeah, yeah. 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 The guy's going well for fuck's sake. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's about being personable. It's about being nice, just chatting to people, handing out your flyers. You have a bit of patter, like you know, like oh, the best Irish comedy in town tonight. Just, just that's patter for when people aren't probably going to take the flyer. But once you get a glimpse or a, a side eye, then you start normal conversation. You're like, yeah. Hey, what are you up to tonight? Well, actually, if you're interested in this, this is what we do. Book the best lineups in town, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh yeah, you do that we do that for probably an hour and a half. Right. Every Wednesday. That's that's fascinating and that's, to know. That's generally irregardless of or irregardless isn't a word, uh regardless of whether or not people say irregardless which is, is wrong. the world. I just isn't said a word. It. But it's grand. <laughs> I don't know. I'm now hating myself oh, internally okay. for saying it. I'm not yeah. cutting it out like yeah. that's that stays. <laughs> or just cut it and nobody know. <laughs> What did he say? He said something terrible. Um, but no, like we have obviously an Eventbrite as well. And uh, even if we see a large number of Eventbrite tickets, we'll still flyer. Um, okay, that's it's interesting. A, it's still a branding exercise, you know what I mean? Because I actually have, I'm uh, doing something on Sunday, the retrovision, and we haven't flyered at all ever for that. And I think that'd probably be good for me to stand on the street yeah. and talk to people because I actually kind of like doing that because I'm really nosy. So <laughs> I look, like I actually love, uh, like I'll talk to people on a bus and shit. I'm one of those, you know. So I'd actually, like, I wouldn't have the, ours on Cam Street, we wouldn't have the footfall. Yeah. You're on George Street perfect there's yeah. just zillions of yeah, people yeah. walking by nice footfall there, yeah. yeah so that's like a such a great but that's but that's no excuse just because you're on camping yeah. like we'll even people. do temple bar you know so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll fly our temple bar as well so you fly our places that are like something i learned at edinburgh was like the flow of people through a city like so if you look at where your location is and the time that your thing is on then you look at the floor, take a day to look at the flow of people wandering around the city. So in Edinburgh, like they go come up to the grass market, go up that windy road, head over the mile, head down, you know, see. There's it. a route. There's a route people, crowds generally take without realising they're all taking the bloody same route. As You're quite a behaviour and uh, you, you're really interested in behaviour of people and yeah. ana- analysing that. I think it, I, it's something I probably always did without realising I did it, if you know what I mean. Until yeah. like you saying that now or other people in Edinburgh when I was saying why I was flying certain spots which are miles away from my venue, hours before my show, people are like, why are you doing that? You just fly her for... And the, the common wisdom at Edinburgh was, you fly her for an hour outside your venue. Stand outside your yoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get them in. And I was like, that's... in To me, that was insane. Right? And people asked me, why are you down in the grass market? Which is miles away. The other side of the city from my venue at 11 in the morning. Uh, and my show wasn't until like 6. Like, what are you doing down there? I'm like, well, if you look at the flow of people the way they move through... The way I move through the city... So by the time six comes around, if they've got my flyer in their pocket or they enjoy talking to me and they stop for a coffee at around five in that part of town, they might go, oh, it's just around the corner. Like, yeah, he was nice. Uh, yeah, he was lovely. Should Remember that guy in? with yeah. the beard? Should we give it, a, give it a go? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that was the logic to the way I set up my flyering at Edinburgh. And similarly, like that's how we flyer for 
well, not to that level of of, of extreme planning for, for Chelsea Drugstore, yeah. but we fly in places where there's footfall and people maybe an hour and a half later might be up closer to, to George's Street from Temple Bar. They've had their tea yeah. and they're looking for a thingy to yeah, do. And they exactly. go, oh, remember that guy? He was yeah. sweet. Or in Temple Bar, we'll recommend, people often ask us for food recommendations in okay. Temple Bar because people are looking for somewhere to eat. Where do you recommend? Uh, oh, the, I can't think of, <laughs> can't think of name of it now because it's actually a place John Splan always recommends. Um, that's en route to us. Right? Okay. And if, we recommend it. Oh, then you're funneling them, you're funneling back, them back, your back, way. back our way. Yeah, okay. it, is, it is a good place to eat, but we funnel them towards us. And then basically, by the time they finish food, they go, Oh, that guy you recommended this place to us. This food's really good. Actually, come on, let's go. Let's just, That's let's a very start. holistic view yeah. of what people, how people actually live their lives. Yeah. So it's kind of seeing people as people yeah. as opposed to a bum on yeah. the seat yeah. for the hour and 45 minutes that you want them to be a bum yeah. on a seat. They're actually real people with real lives. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and worst case scenario, right? They don't, they just go for food. They never go to the thing and they think, oh, well, actually the next time they might see one of our faces on a comedy lineup or they might hear our name somewhere and I go, oh, that was the guy that told us to go to the place. Yeah. Do you know what? We'll go in and see him. Yeah. So like it made the payoff, it's like any business, the payoff, it may not necessarily be at that moment of first interaction. But if you do that first interaction right, you may eventually get a payoff somewhere. Yes, yes. Uh, and what they, people have to see something five times yeah, before yeah. they figure out. Yeah. yeah, so, or whatever it is. Did you used to be marketing? Yeah. What was your pre-comedy Ooh, pre-comedy. Life? Oh, God, varied and, and, and a lot of different jobs and roles. Everything from customer service to hospitality management to marketing and communications and social media management and that kind of stuff. Right. So I've had a lot of different lives. Oh, I worked in radio once as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Way back when, yeah. Um, what did you do in radio? I produced and I did like, made a lot of like features and documentaries and things like that. Okay, um, yeah. That's a long time ago. Um, I did a little bit of sketch work on radio as well, but that was just totally, I'd hate to hear any of that now. <laughs> Does anyone have any of it? Uh, I hope, I hope not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like I've lived, again, you talk about starting projects, right? Just the whole, the raison d'etre, this, this podcast. But for me, uh, I can dump stuff, but not, not at a sense of like, I'm abandoning something more of like, that's that I compartmentalize everything. So that's like, that was that period of my life where I did X and did Y and I lived in that place. And now I'm doing this in this place and this kind of okay. job. So I like to look at things in blocks. That's why I never really feel as old as I probably should. Or I never, um, I'm not as serious about life or as caught up in stuff. I know friends who've got like, mortgages and kids yeah. and uh, they're browbeaten and stuff I'm like, what is wrong with you let's go and do this they're like you know they're looking at me like i'm insane you know because they started a job at whatever 22 or 23 and they've like worked their way up in job x yeah and then their whole life has followed that solid continuum continuum yeah yeah that, that would i couldn't do that because you're more modular yeah. yeah yeah and it just it fits together and even the way you described like the your past jobs you said customer service hospitality management Radio, marketing, social media manager, sketch comedy. Jeez, I just really recited that back so accurately. Um, uh, Those things, you do all of them now. Uh, Most of them. You know, putting on a comedy night and being your own boss, managing your own comedy career. It's kind of all of those things, as well as fucking making the yucks. Yeah, yeah. All that shite. Yeah, which is true. Yeah, like anything you do, the most interesting people I've ever met are people who don't know what they want to do next yeah. not not people who've I've got a plan and i know exactly what i'm because you, you end up blinkered you know like you meet a lot of american people are very blinkered and no disrespect to americans but because they study quite in depth one particular thing they go into one particular career and that's how they live their entire life they're quite blinkered because of that whereas i find people who have interests in a wide array of things or who have done a wide array of things they're the most interesting people and normally the most um they're the people who do the, the, the best at anything, I think, new that they try because they're bringing the experience from a whole diverse range of things they've done into a new thing. Yes. And then and that keeps like dominoes that keeps going forward, you know, and you end up hopefully at the end of the day, like with, with payoffs somewhere along the line, you know. And at the very least, always learning, mm-hmm. always being open. Yeah. And seeing the possibilities in things. Yeah. You know, I really try and live my life in a very positive way where I'm going like doing stuff like trying to just be interested yeah, you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm ancient <laughs> like I, I'm 44 <laughs> next week and I try and really like 
make things broad for myself yeah. and just look around. I was going to say, because it's a podcast, you don't sound 44. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, uh, I, I don't have mortgages, I don't have kids, and uh, geez, I don't even drive a car, Brian. I like bike, I bike everywhere. I'm just like a total fucking loser. <laughs> That's the secret of my youth. Uh, 16 hour video game sessions. And I was like, well, keep you young. Keep you young. <laughs> Kind of did. Um, so uh, that's really fascinating about Riff Raff. I'm going to move on to talk to you a little bit more about Edinburgh. You've already described some very interesting mm. things about Edinburgh. Uh, I know you, so I know 2018, you did Lady Beard with Anna Clifford. That's right, yeah. Um, I love Anna Clifford. She's doty. She's great. She was in a sitcom pilot that's I right. produced. Yeah. And uh, I was just thinking about that. I saw that. You, I saw that. You sent that to me once. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that when I was like when I was cycling around today because I I produced that sick on pilot. But as I say, I don't have a car, right? So I was cycling or like it's three locations. We were filming over three days. And I was like I was doing everything on this thing, right? Mm. Brian was directing it and he wrote it and he directed it and I did everything else. I was cycling around with like with food for 14 <laughs> people on my bike. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. But and at no point did you think I should learn to drive. No, I was going, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like most of it was filmed in Dublin for like right beside my house. Yeah. Like we really kept it easy for ourselves, mm. I have to say. So, uh, but Anna was just, Anna's so funny and yes, so nice. Yes, yeah. And she just has this face of this Anna Clifford. She's a stand-up comedian who lives, she's our but she lives in London, London yeah. but she's an actor as well yeah. a really good one and but she just has this face that just lights up yeah it's just she's the nicest biggest smile she's very genuine um, yeah she really is and in comedy like you're in comedy yourself and around comedy a lot of a lot of back slap and a lot of like pleasantries but most people aren't actually that nice right you know? uh, as they would portray themselves certainly yeah so but Anna is just completely what you see is what you get very genuine person yeah, yeah, yeah. so you uh, uh so you and she split like a time slot essentially yeah. is that is that yeah. i don't know what the, yeah. the nomenclature so, like, for well, that like is. so when you go to edinburgh like you generally everything is kind of blocks of hours so like there's shows on from 9 a.m to 4 a.m right there's shows on and there's different organizations that you can apply to to do your shows with and that kind of stuff so when you first go it's very daunting to look at doing like an hour Right, yeah. Edinburgh, it's very very daunting so most people will go first and they will do like spots like they would do at a comedy club so somebody will book an hour and they'll put on four or five acts every day who are different and then that's a nice way to start go for a week and do that not nice for the person who's organizing no it's a big tough, pain yeah. in the hole big i'm sure the earth, yeah right. <laughs> so that's grand um for the first time and then when you really want to dive in a split show is a nice way to start so me and Anna split the hour between us so one of us would act as so it means as well you have a nice support system there yes so because it's Edinburgh's daunting uh training physically and emotionally and mentally like a lot of a lot of people like don't do well at Edinburgh because it's quite intense you can get lonely it's a break from normal routine there's yeah. a lot of alcohol involved because yeah, it's yeah. a big festival as well so a lot of people can it can have you know it can be tough on a lot of comics you're also go. confronted with the fact that you're not special yeah. there's fucking ten thousand people yeah. doing exactly the same exactly thing you're same trying thing. to do yeah. and that's a bit i'm sure that can be overwhelming it can yeah for so brian went over to um edinburgh my partner brian teakley is a comedian he went over to edinburgh just for a few days yeah. just to check it out and he, he came missed, back he missed you as well I he, met him for a drink. <laughs> did yeah. he really yeah, he said he missed you yeah. oh that's sweet but he i didn't miss him that much i was grand <laughs> um i didn't have to go to comedy for a few fucking days so I, I was off the hook there uh but um he he said he felt that sense of oh jesus why am i even bothering yeah. there's so many people doing it that only lasted a day or two yeah. and then he was energized by, by it but, but you can so feel many, yeah. that you can yeah. feel like you're not different and yeah. you're not special that's one could, way of yeah because you could be doing well here or you could be doing well anywhere and then all of a sudden you're going to see some shows as well and you're you're looking at people and you're going my god they're so good right yeah why yeah. am i i'm never going to be that good yeah it's just jesus you know this is my competition yeah yeah like how i can't compete with that but then you have to you're only competing with yourself at the end of the day anyway like you're not really competing with anybody else like you're competing yeah. with yourself so all you need to do is focus on your audiences and hope for the best you know yeah and, and continue, continue to grow to yeah, yeah, and pivot. Yeah, yeah so you and anna you guys know each other from uh, from from dublin starting when i started comedy we would have met in chester's actually um and anna had been doing a bit in canada before that and was doing a bit in dublin so we just met there we got on well and then how it actually started was probably wouldn't have done to thank Anna actually for for accelerating me a little bit because Anna <laughs> actually hate this story right but Anna decided 
that she wanted to do an hour comedy. So in order to pressurize herself to write, she booked an hour in Whelan's, right, to do a show, Deanna yeah. Clifford hour or whatever. And then, like, which is, my God, was like bloody insane, right? So then she obviously hadn't written enough by the time the, the day came around. So she pushed the date out again. And then as it was getting closer to that, she went, uh, Brian, uh, do you fancy splitting, splitting an hour. hour in Whelan's? Because I don't, not sure I have a full hour, you know? And I went, look, yeah, cool. And I was like, Jesus, this is mad, you know? Because it was a big jump up to do a show like that. Yeah. At the time. So then we we did that. We sold it out in a couple of, it was the upstairs. And I was maybe on 100 tickets or something. So we sold that out pretty quick, uh, which is nice between the two of us. So yeah. we did the show. It went well. And then we said, do you know what? Well, we we should probably just do this in Edinburgh as a split show. And that's how it, that's how it started. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. So she was ambitious enough to yeah. go, I'm going to do an hour. Yeah. But then when it actually came down to it, she went, maybe I can't do an hour right now, but I can do half. Yeah. I'll get someone who I think is nice yeah. and committed. to Because yeah. that's the other thing, I suppose, when you split something with somebody, you can't be splitting it with someone who's flaky or no. going to let you down. It has to be someone who maybe has the same values yeah, as yeah. you do. Yeah. And, and we're both very relaxed people and... We're both hardworking, number one, and we're both quite relaxed. So, like, you know, I don't think we ever we had a single crossword between us, <laughs> which is very rare in Edinburgh for people, even as you randomly oh. bump into. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone's under stress. Yeah. You know? We didn't have a bad word, a crossword. Show went well. We flyered together every day. You know, we had a, a debrief after every show with a pint and a pizza. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like it went it went well you know we got on really well so it's it's nice when you can work with somebody like that to split an hour you know so anybody thinking of splitting a show at edinburgh like pick somebody that that you would have a point with every day yes because you will be because you will be yeah and somebody that you're pretty sure you're not going to fall out with like you know yes it's so easy like this when you're dealing with different personalities and different energies like some people take stress differently than others so find yeah. somebody similar to you um to do a show split show with you know worked worked well for us like we were pretty pretty full most days with a 40 seater um we had to flyer like hell because we were far away at the time but we um we worked hard flyered a lot of social media ads as well at the time i'd say having an extremely beautiful blonde woman with the largest eyes i've ever <laughs> seen in my life as she looks like she's just she walks around looking photoshopped like that's her, just her actual face she's gorgeous and i'm sure that that Helps yeah. for flying. Like, I'm not, I hope I'm not insulting anyone or, you, you know, she's no, fucking right. Look, so. I imagine you'd be more inclined to take a fire off, off an attractive person than you would off, like, an ugly person. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's human bias, yeah. isn't it? Um, and she has such a beautiful smile. It yeah. just, it, it lights yeah. up. Yeah. And I just, I think that that's probably helpful. Yeah, and she's good for the for pitter-patter and banter in the street as yeah. well, like, with people. So, um, yeah, it was, like, we put a lot of work into it, but we did, we we, we got people to the room and we, we put on a reasonable show. So one day, like, Anna would MC. And introduced me to go first and then she'd go second and vice versa. We alternated every day. Yeah. Um, so we had some great shows. We had some not great shows. We Actually, one of our best shows was, was for six people. Okay. It was so fun. Uh, it was our smallest audience. Like we were averaging maybe 25 people a day, probably 30, maybe some days. But uh, with six one day and we're like literally about to pull the show. And these two old ladies came in for some reason. And uh, we were like, sorry, you like we're, nobody showed up. It was five minutes after start. And we're not going to run the show today. And we're really sorry. And they were like, oh, it's a pity. They walked out. And then two other people stuck their head in a few minutes later. And we're like, sorry. And then the old lady saw those two people <gasps> sticking their head in. And came over and goes, she might do it for four. We're like, yeah. all right. And then they came in. Then another two came in. So we had six. Yeah. So we did the show. And it was just, it was more a conversation with six people. Yeah. And and, and, and a comedian. But it was actually really good fun because they were so nice and so up for it. Yeah, you know? yeah. And they wanted it so badly. Oh, you know? God, isn't that lovely? Like, yeah. There's so many things mm. on, but they really wanted they really to, wanted see, to us. see us. Yeah, ah, yeah. God, that's yeah it was lovely. Yeah. yeah. It was great fun. Um, So we did the full run there and a real learning curve, you know, of like, of how to, how to flyer, of how to, how to mind yourself at Edinburgh as well. Like, you know, because it's very intense. Like, yeah. yeah. And so uh, for 2009, you did your asshole new world, asshole new world. It's like a whole new world. A whole new world, yeah. Asshole new world. I don't know if I'm putting the emphasis in the wrong place. Uh, oh, well, I, I, so it was spelled A asterisk asterisk H-O-L-E. Yeah. Uh, new world. So then the poster was me on like an Aladdin thing. Yeah. Um. So. How do you say it though? Asshole uh, new I would, world. No, I would have said a whole new world. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, right. So, but it was funny that you said it. Because me and Brian had a little debate about that this yeah. morning. Where did Brian land on it? Oh, he said asshole. Oh, did he? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, so no, blame him. A whole new world. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, well, yeah. I, I thought, well, with the Aladdin image, that you would think a whole new world. Anyway, that's 
that was the, the play on the words. So some people came in going, oh, we're here to see the asshole show. <laughs> That's exactly what I would <laughs> oh, say. This is, I'm sorry, you're not in Thailand. I don't know what you're looking for. This is comedy in a basement in Edinburgh. Um, yeah, so a whole new world. And it was, um, I couldn't advertise on social media because of the name of the show. They wouldn't let me advertise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I was kind of freaking out about when I got there. I was like, seriously. And I even contacted people I know working in, in, in some of the social media companies. Like, and I was like, can you have a word and see is there anything can be done? And they checked for me and they were like, no, they're not budging. Like, because right. it's spelled A asterisk asterisk H-O-L-E. They're like, even though it's A asterisk asterisk, it still implies. And I was like, well, it's a show and it's a play on words. And they're like, no. Does it go- Google AdWords doesn't care. Something's <laughs> a play on or whatever Google, you were Facebook, using. Google, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. none of them. I couldn't advertise in any of them. So okay. I was freaking out about that because for Lady Beard with Anna, uh, social media ads were a major part of our okay. marketing plan for that. Um, and it did it did work. We got a lot of people in on the back of social media ads for that particular show. So I was really worried. But it turned out that I was full from day one with a whole new world. And if I had had um, social media ads, I would have assumed that they were playing a part in filling the room. But they weren't because obviously I couldn't do them. So it was interesting to see that flyering in the name of the show and just other bits and pieces. And you, your reputation? I wouldn't say so. Most people wouldn't have known who it was. Right. Similar to like, like I'm talking about the way we run Riff Raff. Like most people are pottering about the place. Okay, maybe three or f- three or four people every other show might have seen me before right. or know me. But that's it out of a room of 50. And there was days I had to turn people away like from the show once wow. or twice, which is frustrating to have to turn people away yeah. as well. But, but at the same time, it's a good problem to still, have. you're like, Jesus is great, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was good. It was really, really good. I just, I was very lucky, very fortunate. Uh, I don't believe in luck. I don't think you're fortunate. I think that's, you got to that place through hard work and intelligence and pivoting and moving around. I don't think luck has anything to do with anything. Yeah, well, come back to me next year if it doesn't go according to plan for (laughs) for the next Edinburgh. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I I think it it sounds like you build on the lessons. Was your, uh, was your location a a favorable one? No, it wasn't. Right. Um, It was actually over by the Stand Comedy Club, so like past Waverley Station, so essentially the wrong side of town, new town. You want to be in old town, really, for 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 most of the stuff. It's where the, the main people are wandering around looking for shows are over there. Um, the Stand, I thought, because it was near the Stand, I'd get a lot of that traffic. Yeah. But I didn't, because a lot of those, I tried to exit flyer some of the shows coming out of the Stand, so if people don't know the Stand Comedy Club is the big comedy club at Edinburgh, um, where a lot of people go. So during the Fringe, a lot of people, older people would go to that. Yeah. For some reason. So as I was flyering those people leaving some of their shows, I was like, oh, just next door here on my own, just next door. And it's on at such a time. They're like, no, we only go to the stand. Okay. So it was that kind of a theater kind of vibe. About oh, the right. People. Okay. Whereas if they, that lands in a different yeah. place because the, the fringe isn't just comedy. No, no, it's everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for them, it was more that like they would go to theater, they would go to like opera. And then if they wanted to go to comedy, they would go to the, the stand. stand. Um, opera or the stand yeah. or that's you know the what I mean? two things yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that okay. kind of crowd like where yeah. like they would, it's the kind of person who wouldn't buy like Dunstore's Coca-Cola they would only drink Coca-Cola right. and they wouldn't ever countenance drinking another type were they walking down the road swigging out of a two <laughs> litre of Coke <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see them coming out of the opera yeah, in yeah. your tuxedo drinking a, drinking a two litre of Coke <laughs> and you're drinking two litre of of Dunstall and they're going I know oh, how, how very dare he <laughs> um, so yeah so I got, I got very little out of that but um people just showed up um i don't know i think it was sort of blurb for my show well i wrote the blurb which goes in the big book and stuff like that and that was um probably better than the bloody show the blurb is good blurb fuck me blurb's yeah. so important yeah. to like I, I just it's all in the blurb isn't yeah. it? this is your marketing yeah um How you sell the show like you communicating know. in a short amount of time yeah. Something that gets someone excited is a whole other yeah. skill then. Well, I wrote, like, reading the blurb back, it's so funny, before I did the show, I should never admit to this, but I had my show written, it's like a 45-minute show, give or take, and I was reading back over the blurb, and I was like, all right, hang on a minute, I don't have anything about that in the show. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, shit, I better write a joke about that particular bit, because the blurb is so detailed and so bloody, it was very good, the blurb. Yes. I was like, shit. You spent a lot of time over I put the blurb. too much, I put so much more into the blurb than I did into the show. And I was like, oh crap, I better rewrite that bit to make sure it matches the blurb. Yeah, like, yeah, to make like, sure it's in it. Because I got carried away writing the blurb and I made it yeah. so exciting. And I was like, because I added bits about different things. And I'm like, shit, that isn't in the show at all. I need to add that bit in, but which I did and that was fine. So it kind of added that layer of pressure as well to yes. have to live up to what I'd written in the blurb. So that again goes back to anything to do with projects and just jumping in. 
and 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 you know editing as you go and making it better as you go like you know yes. so set your goal which is my blurb and then you know you, then you have to live up to that you know yeah and yeah maybe you won't sometimes but by the end of it you will so yes i'm writing down live up to your blurb <laughs> what that? i'm gonna look at that later and i'm gonna um, go what the fuck does that mean we'll see you but, next time you'll have a tattoo of it like <laughs> i don't think so live up to your blurb <laughs> I'm the only yoga teacher in the world that doesn't have a tattoo. I oh, think I've pretty terrible. much figured it out. No, I'm all right with it. Um, so, uh, okay, I've Jesus, we've been talking for ages. We've been talking for more than an hour. Have we? Yeah, but okay. I know it's quite fun, isn't it? You'd never like guess. It. it can go a little bit longer, but we'll just spend a few minutes talking about some more stuff. Because we're going to go take it for sushi afterwards. Oh, so I'll pick your brain about mm, all the brainy mm, mm, things. Mm, mm. Um, what are you? What's next for Brian? Oh God, what is next for Brian? Um, I'm. I'm Looking at podcast ideas. Yeah, cool. <laughs> because everybody has a podcast now. Well, it's so, like, yeah. I always talk about how it's really punk. Yeah. Because you don't actually have to have much to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you could just lash it up. Yeah. And then you make people listen to it as you go yeah. and use your yeah. marketing now. So and I haven't up, been able so. to do that. But actually getting out the door yeah. is not very difficult. So why the fuck not? Get it done. Okay, yeah. so, so you're thinking about some yeah. stuff that you might yeah. like there. A few ideas. I'm looking at collaborating with somebody as well who already has a podcast. Um won't name them now in case that idea falls through. Yeah, no, that's right. But we're, we're planning on maybe doing a, a double header podcast idea, which would be maybe sort of a oh how'd you describe it? Like a podcast but a breakfast show. Okay. But a podcast. Yeah. Um that kind of vibe, the vibe of a loose, fun breakfast show. Yeah. Um in a podcast form. And then I'm looking at other ideas for myself as well. My problem always is I have too many ideas and I get overwhelmed by the volume of ideas and end up doing nothing. So I need to just sit down now, cross off the ones that I think won't work and stick, you know, nail my colors to a particular idea and go for it. Yes. And then see, because you can, like you said, you can pivot and change and move it at the end of the day and update it anyway. So yeah, podcast. And I want to get into maybe get into some or try to get into some acting stuff. Oh. Um, or sketch or video or anything like that. I want to do more of that. Um, because to succeed in comedy, you can't you can't rely just on stand up like anymore. Yes. You have to be doing more things. You have to have an a- another angle yeah. and something else that expresses more about yeah. you yeah. Yeah. and different. I think with podcasts, well, just uh, you're more than a stand comedian. Yeah. You're you've got lots to say, uh, but it's it's. Controlling the means of production is important. Mm-hmm. You, like that's why it's fun having your own comedy club because you're, as you say, you're picking the acts, yeah. you're doing it. You guys all do it together. Yeah. You know, it's not some fucking guy in a suit going do this. Yeah, 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 you, you know, yeah. it's your, it's, your, ours, it's yeah. yours. It's it's you guys, and having something that you make and you're responsible for. Yeah. But that you pull in like collaboration is so important. But yeah. that's Jesus. Management of people is the hardest thing. Very hard, yeah. uh, like getting people to <laughs> do what you want yeah. is really hard. It is hard. Yeah. And uh, that, I think that's one of the big challenges of making anything. That's why it's tempting to make things that you don't have to help yeah. other people. Well, it's very hard to a collaboration. A collaboration sounds great when you're. I'm. I'm not a control freak, but I'm a. I'm a detail freak sometimes, and like it's so hard to work with people when you have to be like on a common level when you really want to go just do that yeah because <laughs> you know, yeah. that's your instinct. I've already thought about this yeah. so just do this fucking yeah. thing yeah just, as opposed just do it. to yeah, yeah this other kind of thing yeah. that you yeah. have thought yeah. about yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but doing that and not sounding like a prick it's hard it's really hard yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so like I don't know how do you how do you play down your inner prick and, yeah. and try not to be a complete dick about things I don't know but it's uh, it's that's hard you know but so I'm does... still working that out right <laughs> <laughs> should look at you You're, what are you now 54 <laughs> <laughs> I don't say it sound a day older than 27. So does that. I want to do podcasts. I'm going to collaborate with another guy on a podcast as well. I want to write. I want, I really want to write um, either a play or or a, a screenplay idea as well on stuff. Because I've done so many different things in my life and I've met so many mad lunatic people and had so many mad lunatic experiences. Yeah. That I think there's enough there. Definitely enough there for either a, a play or a, or, a, or a screenplay or something. Right, so right. So I want to want to get into writing more diligently and more structured yeah and more forcing myself to sit down and physically write you should talk to brian she's about that he's written low like yeah. he's written two film yeah. screenplays and he's like he's written those sitcoms he's very good on the structure, on side, the structure of side of it yeah he's good at organizing we'll talk to him because that's kind of it's kind of yeah. what i need because like yeah. i think you need somebody when you have like a lot of ideas and a lot of lived experience and a lot of mad stories that i, I it's, you know when you can think about stuff and see them in your mind's eye playing out as as a TV episode, almost some of the things that have happened, um, 
structuring that then is the, is the yeah. thing that's hard for getting that from the inside yeah. of your head to outside to of your structure, head yeah, yeah. into a format that yeah. works for what it needs to work for. yeah so that's that's my challenge for 2020 that and listen to more music as well oh listening to more music yeah. i recommended some stuff you did. to you, you um did. or the so cow yeah that were great actually they're yeah. daddy yeah, aren't yeah, they yeah, yeah. So, um, and you said, you're tra- I want him, I want the guy on my podcast. I, I sent a message to, sent a message to someone I know who, yeah. who used to live with their, who had his bass player. So, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he'll come back to you. That's, that'd be, it's fun. just, I, I, I've been talking to people on my podcast who I admire. That's, that's the oh, criteria. Man. No, seriously. That's the criteria so far for being on my podcast. Is admiration. that. Yeah. Is that I have respect and admiration for people. But mostly it's for people that I know as well. It's going to be awkward when somebody says, can I come on your podcast? You're like, no, don't admire you. (laughs) I guess that is going to be awkward. Um, I'm not actually going to say the thing I was going to say. I'm going to leave it. But uh, yes, I guess so. But then like, fuck it. I'm in charge. Yeah. You know, it's yours. Yeah. 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 I don't have somebody going and have this prick on because it's not. You don't have to apologize. It's punk. Punk, do what you want. Yeah, do what you want. And then hopefully later make some money off it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. the thing about it. Um, if you'd like your ad in the middle of this podcast, <laughs> please contact me. If, I, don't, I don't think that's a problem yet. <laughs> um, I, oh man, I have so many other things to talk to you about, like beards and social media. You're on it. Okay, you're on Instagram a lot. Yeah. Um, do you spend a lot of time doing Instagram? Um, I would say I spend a lot of time doing Instagram. I spend, I spend more time doing Instagram and stuff for the club. Yeah. Than I do for myself. So if the mood takes me to take a photo or if I realize I haven't put a photo up on Instagram in ages, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, or some days I'll go mad on stories and put a lot of stuff up on stories. But it doesn't take up a lot of time to do that. It's yeah. more going, right, just sit down here now, 20 minutes, put a few bits up. Yeah. Just do it. Because it's good to keep stuff ticking over on that, you know. Yeah. Because uh, Instagram particularly like is great for for uh, engagement. People like engage with what you're saying or what you're doing or you know, then at the end of the day, all you want to do is get people to come to shows. So that's it. it, it and that's a, it's just it's another route. I, I the last uh, I interviewed a couple of people and I wasn't on Instagram. I'm kind of on Instagram now, but I don't really know how to use it. And I because I it's not it's not how I would choose. Like looking yeah. at it, it's absolutely not how I would spend my time. Yeah, you know, yeah. um. So I don't really know how to use it, and I kind of feel like a fraudulent trying to use a tool that I don't have a fucking clue how to use. You know what would be absolutely hilarious would be you saying something like that on Instagram. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's what people want to see when anything in life is they want to see authenticity yeah. and they want to see behind the scenes of someone's life. So if you're looking at a phone and you have the camera on and you're going, I don't know how to fucking use this Instagram thing. But anyway, how are you doing? Yeah, like, yeah. That's gone. Oh, cool. That's the reality. That's relatable and it's real, you know. Because the first time I went to use Instagram, I went to sign up and instead of signing up for it, I wrote a poem about how I didn't <laughs> want to be on Instagram. And it was actually quite heartfelt. I hadn't written a poem in a couple of years. Yeah. And I really came from a real place. Oh, there you go. And But I wasn't, like, I was no closer to being on Instagram, but I had actually written quite a nice poem. But if it wasn't for Instagram, you wouldn't have written the poem. Yeah. You wouldn't have reactivated that creative part of I your, should get yeah, it back out again and have a look at it. Okay, I think this is, lot, even though I have thousands of things I thousands want to talk to you about, questions. maybe I'll have you back again. Yay! Because I feel like I half, only half got through my list here. So I'm going to say thank you very much. Uh, and anyone who wants to come and see Brian, he plays all over the place. But uh, Riff Raff Comedy in Chelsea Drugstore on a Wednesday, Wednesday night. Fucking dead. And like. follow me on Instagram at Brian Galahad. Yeah, do that thing or Twitter. that he said. He's, that too. he's on Twitter and he's lovely. Okay, uh, thanks very much, Brian. Thank you for having me. Bye bye.